Hey friends, Pastor Andrew here. Thanks for taking the time to listen in on our sermons here at Asheville First Church of the Nazarene. We post these even though they were preached in a specific time at a specific place to a certain community of people, hoping that God still might use them to speak to you wherever you are. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that your mercy does reign, that your unending love is the story of our lives. It is truly amazing grace. And so we give you thanks and praise for that. And we just hold uh, longingly to that truth, Lord, in our lives. And we just stop now to ask for your presence to continue to speak to us, to draw us closer to yourself as now we turn to Scripture. And may you turn these words, however imperfect, however incomplete they might be, May your spirit turn them into the beautiful song of the gospel for us this morning. May you lead us, and we'll be faithful to follow. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, we've concluded uh, the gospel of Matthew last week, and so now we're going to look a little bit in uh, Acts and to just to see some glimpses of how the church and the mission of the church takes off. And so we're going to see it's sometimes it's with uh, raising success and sometimes it's with the little speed bumps and people having to get on board and, and readjust. And that's what we're seeing today. And so we're going to consider most of the chapter 10. And so in my reading, it's going to seem we're going to jump around a little bit just for time's sake. Uh, but we're going to be talking about the whole story. And so we're going to read verses 1 through 17, and then we're going to go to 34 and 36 through 36, and then uh, finish up in verse 44 and look a few, few verses there. So hang with me, um, but I think we will be encouraged and challenged by what we see here in Acts chapter 10. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all of his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, he stared at him in terror. And said, What is it, Lord? He answered, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him and had left, he called two of his slaves and devout soldiers from the ranks of those who served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet coming down and being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. And then he heard a voice saying up, saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, 
for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now while Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of this vision that he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. And they were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. Verse 34. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable, acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. And the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded by the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay with them for several days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For this, this morning, this passage might seem to us to be kind of business as usual. Um, some of us have grown up with these stories and there doesn't seem to be anything too shocking in here. Maybe what we see here is the good news that we get to eat pork, right? I mean, a good pulled, I had a pulled pork sandwich this week, and Brother Dennis, it was like heaven on earth, right? You know, I blame Dale and Jack. Uh, they introduced me to the idea of the Little Pigs restaurant, um, and so if Pastor puts on a few pounds, it's because I've eaten there too much, right? I should have talked to them before. I thought I'm going to put an advertisement in my sermon. They should have had a donation of the church, right? You know, free advertising. No, you know, sometimes we read this and we say, hey, good. Now this is Peter's vision that we get to eat any food and, and we don't have to do that, right? Um, at least that's what I thought growing up. But actually, this story and this encounter, it's very important. Not re it's not really even about what we're eating. It, it's about who's in and who's out. It's about the mission of God going to all the nations like we looked at last week. Um, and so there's a few things that we have to remember because we read this and it's hard for us to have the same concerns. It's near impossible sometimes for us to have the same concerns, the same worldview, the same thinking of people 2,000 years ago, right? And so I'm just going to try to get us into that mode because we have to remember that their concerns are not ours. We're in a very much uh, different setting than uh, the disciples were at the very start in, in Acts here. So we might say, boy, Peter, isn't this obvious to you? And it's because you've been raised in the church, you've been raised with the gospels written down. And Peter, at this point, there was, there was no New Testament. It was just their experience with Christ. They were still figuring this out. Christ has ascended, and, and so they're still trying to figure this out. 
And so we read this and we say, what's the, why is, what's the big deal with these eating laws? What, you know, we don't practice that anymore. That's kind of foreign to us. What's the deal with the law? What's going on here? We have to remember, put ourselves kind of in Peter's shoes, remind ourselves that all the disciples are Jewish. You know, all the disciples are Jewish. They, are, they, they, they understand themselves to be Jewish. They've just found the Messiah, right? And so they're coming out of that framework. And if, you, if you're Jewish during this time, you're living in the Roman Empire, and how the Jewish people, the Israelites, have sustained being the people of God for a thousand years or more is that they held very strictly to the law. That they survived during the reign of Babylon, of Assyria, of Persia, and now Rome by setting very strict boundaries, by obeying the law that God had given them very strictly. That's how they set themselves apart. And so for them, this is why sometimes we, we really like to whip the Pharisees. And, and really the Pharisees were the people saying, we can't give up on any of these because if we do, then we're just like everybody else. We're not God's distinct people, right? And so I, I know it's not a part of our Christian life, but we really have to understand and not kind of poo-poo on, you know, their observance of the law because it was very important for them. That's how they became God's distinct people. Not only that, it, it helped them be distinct people, but for them, that, that was their scripture. That was the law that God had given. And, and even for Peter and the disciples, Christ did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So Peter still doesn't understand what that means, though. And his, so his concern is to obey the law. And the real question for them is really the opposite question that many of us hold today or, or sometimes is wrestled with in the New Testament. Often we might wrestle with, can, will the Jews be saved? Well, what is the destiny of the Jewish people? For, for they are God's people and they have the promises of God. That really wasn't a question for Peter and the first disciples. They weren't really questioning that. Their main question was, can the Gentiles be saved? Because the Jewish people, God, they had been God's people. They have the promises of God that are never ending. Right? They, they have the promises of Abraham. They are God's chosen people. And, and let me just take a step aside and, and say this real quick. Um, we have to be very careful as Christians how we talk about uh, Israel and uh, the Jewish community and that we do have to recognize that we, we might un not understand how it's going to all fit in and we, we might disagree sometimes on, on what, how that's going to look like. And Paul even goes back and forth, forth in the book of Romans trying to figure it out, right? So we figure it out. But we have to be clear that... Uh, the Jewish people are, are a part of a family of faith, that, that they, if it were not for them, that we don't have Christ. And so we, we have a kinship to them. Even if we disagree on who the Messiah is and different things like that, we have a kinship and we need to, we need to show the love uh, of God to them. And, and we should be brokenhearted by you know, what happened in San Diego and different things. And we do have to recognize that sometimes the way the church historically has talked about the Jewish people, sometimes... Uh, it has come through an anger and resentment that we disagree over Jesus, right? Um, and, and so we need to own that as, as Christians and recognize we need to be careful how we talk about and differentiate ourselves. Yes, I, I want to differentiate myself and what I believe about Jesus, but we got to be careful that differentiation doesn't go into anger and condemnation, right? 
Um, and, and so when we think of even the Holocaust itself uh, in Germany, a lot of that was couched in Christian language of uh, attacking the people who refused Christ. And so we need to highlight how that is very dangerous language. Um, and so we need to be careful as Christians how we differentiate ourselves. Um, because as we're looking at the story this morning, the question wasn't, are the Jews going to be saved? The question is, can the Gentiles be saved? They're outside of the promises of God. We don't have any promises for the Gentiles in the Old Testament, really. Uh, and so that's Peter's dilemma here, right? So we need to take that seriously. That division, whew, I mean, that division is probably stronger than any division in the, today. I have nothing really to compare it to. The divide between Jewish and Gentile for the disciples' minds during this time is very strong. And so I just want us to get clear with this. It's hard for us. We are sitting in the religious majority in the most powerful country on earth right now. And so sometimes it might be hard for us to understand the, the disciples' perspective here in Acts chapter 10. So we start and we look at Cornelius. And uh, Cornelius, again, talking about he's not only a Gentile, he's a Roman officer. And again, getting back to their mindset, the Romans were the oppressors. They were a violent empire that had taken over large swaths of territory, including the promised land. They, they were seen as the enemy. They were seen as the people that the Messiah was supposed to overthrow when he came, right? Romans were the oppressors. We see how violent they were in, in crucifying Christ, right? And so we open with not only a Gentile, but a Roman centurion. He's not just a foot soldier. He's pretty high up. He has command of a large group of men, right? And he's in Caesarea. Caesarea was the seat of Rome's power in the Holy Land. Caesarea is where Pilate lived to connect. So this is, this is where Pontius Pilate would have been. So to see a centurion, if you're a Jewish person during this time, if you're Peter, Ooh, you've got every strike against you that you possibly can. But we see through the narration of Acts, Luke tells us that this centurion, he was devout. He was a man that loved God, even though we can see that he clearly didn't understand the fullness of God. He wanted to serve God, and he was very devout. So what did the scripture tell us? He prayed constantly. He was a man of prayer, and he gave to the poor. Two things that God really responded to. And we should probably take note of that. We know because of Jesus, God still really responds to those two things. And these two things this man did faithfully. And so he has a vision. And this vision is very disorienting. He's terrified. And this angel comes down and says, hey, there's this guy. You got to go find him out. Send some men to go find Simon Peter. Doesn't tell him anything more than that. And this man's so faithful and he does it. He sends two of his best men, but he doesn't know what it's about. It's very puzzling for him. But we go on to next... Uh, Cornelius is not the only one that is to have a puzzling vision. Peter then has a puzzling vision. He goes up to his rooftop to pray, and he starts to get hungry. I've warned you that weird things happen when you get hungry, right? You get hangry. You, you might fall into a trance if you're not careful, right? And that's what exactly what happens to Peter. He falls into a hunger trance, and God uses it to speak to him while the food's being cooked. It's kind of a wild vision, uh, he, he falls in a trance and we see a sheet come down with all the animals uh, that Jewish folks were not supposed to eat, right? All four-legged things, lizards and, and birds of the air. And, and it comes down and, and the voice, God's voice says, as we read, Peter, get up and eat. 
Notice Peter's response is, well, I guess God's talking to me. I mean, here he's seeing this vision. You would think, say, well, God's talking to me. I'm going to obey God. No. His response is, by no means. He thinks maybe it's a test. By no means, Lord, I've never eaten anything like that. I'll never do that. And God says, don't call anything I've made clean profane or unholy. But Peter still doesn't get it. God tells him that, and this encounter happens three different times. Each time, Peter's saying, no way, I'm never going to do it. No, that's bad. I know it. How do I know it? It's in the Bible. You commanded us not to eat this. Let me just uh, remind us, it's not just one of those little, there's an entire chapter about what not to eat. I'm just going to read us a few verses so we realize this is not some passing thing. Leviticus chapter 11 is where it happens. You shall, I'm going to read it from verse 43. You shall not make yourselves detestable with any creature that swarms. You shall not defile yourselves with them and so become unclean. For I am the Lord your God. Sanctify yourselves therefore and be holy for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming creature that moves on the earth. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall be holy, for I am holy. Peter's response is so strong because he knows Leviticus 11. He was raised from a child to obey that, to know what to eat and not eat. And now a voice from heaven is saying, get up and eat it. Can we start to understand why Peter is struggling so much with this? Because he can go to his memory verse from a child and say, no, don't do that. And here the voice from heaven is saying, do it. You know, I, I know it's, it's easy for us to kind of get on Peter and say, well, Peter, though, it's just about eating, right? Come on, it's not that big of a deal. But Peter is trying to be faithful, right? He, he's trying to suss out the way God wants him to live. And, and even after this experience of three different times, he's really puzzled. And so I think we should be really easy on Peter and understand that that's a, that's a real quandary that he's in. We shouldn't be too hard at him because I, I see this problem in the church as well. I think this is a problem that all of us will struggle with in the life of faith, but I, I see it in the church that we have a problem following God's leading sometimes as we get hung up on the wrong things. That we, we struggle, like Peter, sometimes to follow where God really wants us to go to Get with the program. Did your parents ever tell you that phrase? Come on, get with the program. I heard that growing up a lot. I think it was mainly for my dad. Get with the program. Come on, son. You know? Well, I love that phrase. Get with the program just means you're being slow on the uptake. You're not keeping up, right? You're getting behind. And that's what I feel like God is telling Peter. Here, Peter, get with the program. And sometimes we struggle to get with the program, don't we? Sometimes we get hung up on the wrong things. And sometimes those wrong things are very religious. Sometimes those wrong things we might feel very strongly about, but they're not the main thing. They're not the actual program that God's concerned about. Time and time again in the church, one of our main problems is that, that we do get hung up on the details and we struggle to keep the main thing the main thing. We struggle to keep with the program that God has set before us. 
And sometimes we get in these struggles and we get in these debates and, and sometimes I hear it and, and people say, well, God doesn't change. You know what people really mean when they say God doesn't change often and they're when in one of these arguments? They mean my idea of God doesn't change. Those verses in Scripture when we talk about God not changing means God's character doesn't change. That affirmation is always that we can trust the character of God, that God is loving, God is just, ju God is holy. We can trust that God's not going to change his character. He's not going to become schizophrenic on us. But that doesn't mean that God's methods, God's ways won't change on the earth. That doesn't mean how God relates to us won't change, right? We are people with free will. God has, is the most free person ever. You know, he's, he, he is God. And so how God relates to us, how God works with us does change. It does look different to us. The character always stays the same, but the methods change. The program, the main thing never changes, but sometimes from our perspective, God takes different avenues. God changes gears. And we see that through scripture and the progression of scripture. And so we, the challenge for us, the, the struggle for us is to keep up with God. That we don't get tripped up on the side issues. That we don't get tripped up on the side things and treat it like the main thing. Because if we get our focus off, then we won't be keeping up with God. Because you, did you notice in this story that God is always out ahead of even Peter? Peter's lagging behind. Notice that no one went to Cornelius. God appeared to Cornelius. The Holy Spirit was at work with this man who had never heard the name Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is speaking with him and working in him. It's Peter that's lagging behind. Cornelius is keeping up with the Spirit, right? He's doing what the Spirit told. It's Peter that's having the problem. The Spirit always leading, always pushing, trying to advance God's mission. But we struggle even as Peter, the rock of the church, to keep up with that spirit. So you might say, okay, pastor, then what's the main thing? What's the program that we need to keep up with? Well, I think if we go through the story and finish, we will see very clearly what the main thing is that we need to keep up with. So Peter, uh, the, these men do find Peter, and he takes them into his lodging, and uh, Peter starts to connect the dots. Okay, Gentiles are coming in, and we see Peter offers them hospitality. One of the parts we didn't read is, and Peter's going to acknowledge when he goes to Cornelius, is that also there's a law that he should not be even hanging out with Gentiles. That's how strong that boundary marker was, that a, a Jewish person should not be with, uh, eating with, or especially staying with a Gentile. That is a huge no-no. It's the law. And so Peter acknowledges that I shouldn't be, but he already connects the dots. When the men show up, he gives them hospitality. He's breaking law there. And then he's going to connect the dots. Ah, I see that that vision wasn't about necessarily food. It was about people. I think it's still about food, too. I'm going to have pork this week. <laughs> I, I promise you that. <laughs> he realizes, though, no, the main thing is that God doesn't show partiality. God doesn't respect Jew versus Gentile. And in fact, most of us know that 
passage by Paul, that beautiful passage that we'll get to in a little bit, I'll mention. But Paul, I mean, Peter starts connecting the dots. And so Peter says, okay, I'll go with you. And he, he meets with Cornelius. Cornelius, uh, bless his little heart. Um, he's trying to figure it all out. And he, he sees Peter and he thinks he must be God in the flesh or something. So Cornelius bows at his feet and starts worshiping him. And Peter's like, oh, get up. Come on, no, I'm, I'm just a man like you are. And so, and then Cornelius gathers a large group of Romans, right? He, he gathers large people, his family, and there's a whole group there. And then Peter gets the opportunity to preach to them. He, he gets an opportunity to share the good news. And Peter starts out by saying, now I realize that God shows no partiality. He realizes that because the Holy Spirit has been pushing things ahead. The Holy Spirit has been leading and, and Peter's been tripping, trying to keep up. And now he's like, okay, now I see God's not showing any partiality. Anybody that honors him and fears him is acceptable to God. And here's the message. Let me just read uh, Peter's sermon. It's really short. I, maybe I need to learn something from Peter right here. But it's just a few verses, right? Hang with me. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. A wonderfully succinct proclamation of the gospel by Peter. And notice he couches it for a group of Gentiles that don't know all the scriptures. He doesn't go into all the prophecies. He just says, this is the man that's ordained by God to judge the living of the dead. And we can know peace and forgiveness through his name. Wonderful sermon, wonderfully short. And notice it's still going on too long. Scripture said, even while he was speaking, the Holy Spirit came down on those listening. Basically, that means that the Holy Spirit really didn't need Peter. The Holy Spirit was constantly pushing ahead. And the Holy Spirit came and filled those people. And they were speaking in tongues. And they were praising God. And they were having a wonderful time. And notice what it says is that the circumcised, read, the Jewish believers, disciples who were with Peter, were astounded. We're not astounded because we're all Gentiles that have received the Spirit. But they were astounded. Whoa. Look at what God is doing. And they say amongst themselves, who are we then to deny them the waters of baptism? Basically, who are we to deny them equal status in the body of Christ? Because look, they have the Spirit. And so they do. They baptize them with water and accept them into the family of God. The good news this morning is much bigger than eating pork. It's that God wants to be in relationship with all people. 
that the good news of the gospel, that God's forgiveness, that God's love and mercy isn't for one group of people. It's not for one race of people. It is for all people. And here in the story, we see the main thing. We see the program that we got to get with. We see God's mission. What is God's mission? As succinctly as I can put it, to draw all people to God's self. That God would have a relationship with every human, a loving relationship with every human. And in fact, really I should say, if I was to say it as succinctly as possible, God's mission is to have a loving relationship with all of creation. Did you notice in the revelation when John sees the vision of the end? Did you notice that he wasn't just talking about people seeing God's Christ's praises? That it was every creature on heaven and on earth and under the sea were praising Christ? That is God's mission. That all of creation would have this loving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the program. That's the main thing. And we got to keep with, up with it because the Holy Spirit is always out before us. We know it's the main thing because of Jesus. Because what Jesus did, not just for the Jewish people, but what he did for all people. We know it's the main thing because what did Jesus say is the main thing for us to do? Love God with everything we have. We know it's the main thing because this is why God created in the first place. To have a loving relationship with everything. So we have to keep the main thing the main thing. We have to keep up with the program. We have to keep up with God's mission. And we have to realize that its methods change. How it looks change. How it will function will look different. But the mission always stays the same. The program never changes because God's character never changes. He is always love. And he always wants to be in a relationship with every human. But we can't talk about the main thing, the, the program that we have to keep up with without saying, as Christ did, that a part of that program, since God wants to have a loving relationship with us, that it really matters what happens to us. It really matters how we treat one another. Do you notice that? Christ says, you know, the main commandment is love the Lord your God and also, equal to it, love your neighbor as yourself. That that is the main program, that because God wants a loving relationship with us all, that we have to be very careful. We, we talk about this as holiness. This is the true heart of holiness. That it matters how we treat one another. It matters how what happens to people. It matters that there's peace and justice because that's God's desire for a creation that he loves. That's why he created. That's the main thing that Christ revealed to us and that Christ set us free to be able to do, Right? So that's the main thing. And so the surrounding things, the details of what that looks like and how we get to that, we have to hold loosely. We can't hold tightly or we will get behind in the mission of the one thing. We will get distracted. We will get hung up. The church will tear itself apart trying to figure out some of the details. And so for us as the people of God, for Peter, we have to be keeping up the Spirit because the Spirit is always out there leading us, going before us, setting the way. And our challenge is just to keep behind, to keep up. And that's hard enough. Sometimes we think, oh, we got to take God places. No, we just got to follow God places. There's nowhere you can go where God's not already at work. 
And so for us, we have to pray as the people of God to be like Peter, to not get distracted, not to get hung up. And yes, sometimes it's on very religious things, and sometimes they might be very deep-seated things. Friends, it doesn't get any more deep-seated than circumcised versus uncircumcised. For a thousand years, that has been God's barrier marker of who's in and who's out, and now that is done away with, thankfully for us. Do you realize that if it's not for this story, that none of us are sitting here today knowing the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. If Peter doesn't keep up with the Spirit, I believe the Spirit would have found another way around Peter, but it would have cost the church and the disciples in a very large way. We are only sitting here today forgiven and full of God's mercy and love and the Spirit because Peter got with the program. So I'm calling the church today for us not to get hung up on the side issues and to keep up with the main thing, to keep up with the spirit. And yeah, we might disagree, but if we're doing it in faith and if we're trying to keep the main thing, the main thing and follow the spirit and draw all people to God and show the love of Christ and make sure people are loved and, and cared for and have justice and peace, then you know what? Don't get, don't get tripped up. Don't lose sight. Keep following the Holy Spirit. Keep pushing. And it will look different. And some of us feel uncomfortable when it looks different. That's a part of what it means to be human. It's kind of like, have you ever tried to keep up with a young child? I'm in the middle of that, right? Surely you know what I'm talking about, trying to keep up with Colton, right? I mean, that energy and that passion that a young child has, there's nothing else like it. And as a parent, I'm just trying to keep up. Oh, my goodness. Let me just lay down. You just, I, you know, it sounds like you're getting into something you shouldn't, but I can't do it right now, right? So often we picture God as some old dude, right? Actually, I think it's just the opposite. I don't know if you've ever heard the name G.K. Chesterton. He was a Christian writer who wrote... Um, about 100, 120 years ago. He has a quote in one of his books that's always uh, given life to me, and I think it speaks to this issue of trying to keep up with the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit, God and God's self, is the most free and unhindered thing in the universe. God is pure passion and love, and who it is, and for us to keep up with him is a lot like this. Chesterton wrote this, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again, to the sun. And every evening, do it again, to the moon. It may not be the automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately but he has never grown tired of making them. It may be 
that God has the eternal appetite of infancy, in infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our Father is younger than we. That's the purity of passion that God has to carry out the mission. That God's love is so strong, it's like Desmond going a million miles an hour because he wants to see all people and all things have a loving relationship with him. And it's we who have sinned that have grown old because of sin and are frail and distracted that we come along trying to keep up and we barely can. And God's just running out ahead of us. Passionate, loving people. I think this is why Jesus said, remember when he said, to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must become like this little child. It's because that little child isn't hindered by all thoughts. He's not hung up on what he believes or, or he just has a passion and energy and just trusts the Father. That's our calling this morning, to be like a little child, to follow Christ and the Holy Spirit wherever he is leading so that we might carry forward the mission of God so that all people, no matter who they are, may know his love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ and that we might enact that love on earth as it is in heaven. It might just be that God has way more energy than us. It might just be that our Father is younger than us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in these moments, would you speak to us? Would you show us what it looks like to follow the leading of the Spirit? Lord, I, I can't say I know what this looks like all the time for us individually and as the church, but I know if we open our hearts and our minds to you now, that your Spirit will be faithful to lead us. And so I pray that you would move amongst us through this time of communion. May the presence of Christ challenge us and renew us and send us forth from this place. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As our servers come down and, and we prepare to respond, you know, I, you might notice I, I, I didn't label any specifics on this um, because I think this is not just a challenge that we're in right now, but this is a challenge for every stage of the church to keep up with the Spirit, to reimagine to look forward, what does the mission of God look like in our context? Where is the spirit leading that we might be missing or, or not paying attention to? And so for us in this time of response, as we prepare our hearts for communion, as we take time to pray around an altar, it's simply to say, God, my heart's open. My mind's turned off. Give me the passion of a child. Give me the trust of a little one. Give me that unhindered nature of a child that I'll just follow you wherever you're leading. Wherever the Spirit shows up, I'll go there. Whoever you call me to, I'll love them. Whoever needs to hear the good news, I'll share it with them. And I really believe is if we put ourselves aside and we truly open our hearts every day to the Spirit, that God will show us the way that he'll be faithful and he'll give us the strength to keep up with him. You don't have to be a member of our church for taking communion. All that we ask is that you give your life and commit yourself to Christ, receive his forgiveness and his love, 
We commit to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit wherever it goes. And we believe when you come and take of the bread and the cup, you are receiving the grace and the strength of Jesus Christ, that you receive his love that he poured out on the cross for us. On the night our Lord is betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat, whenever you do, in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood shed for you. Take, drink, whenever you do, in remembrance of me. Paul wrote that in Jesus Christ, there is neither male nor female, slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile. So know that as you come forward and receive the grace of Christ, you do so only as a person receiving the grace of Jesus Christ, only as a child of God. Leave all of those distinctions behind and give yourself wholly to Christ. Come when you are ready. Let's continue in a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we confess that sometimes... Uh, we have trouble keeping up. Sometimes we do get distracted. I get distracted, Lord. Sometimes the focus becomes about us or what we want or what we think is right, Lord. And, and we just ask that you would always uh, shake us out of that, that your spirit would always agitate us, uh, shake us up so that we might see clearly uh, where Christ is leading us, Lord. And might you give us the strength and the clarity of mind to keep the main thing the main thing. Might you show us where your mission is leading us, Lord, and, and how we need to change, like Peter had to change, so that we can keep up. Would you change us, Heavenly Father? Would you renew us and strengthen us? Would your spirit continually shape and transform us? And would we be faithful to open ourselves to that, Lord? Lord, I know that there are times where we struggle to see, that we struggle to have the imagination, but we just now ask in your sanctuary that you would give us that vision and that imagination to see where the kingdom of God is going, to see where your spirit is leading, Lord, and give us, equip us with the tools and the strength and everything that we need to follow you, to be your presence, your hands and your feet in this community, Lord that we might share the love of Christ in everything that we do, Heavenly Father. And I pray for those who are struggling this morning. Pray for those who are struggling to trust that love, those who are struggling with doubt or frustration. Be with them, Lord. Strengthen their faith. We lift up those who are dealing with emotional or uh, burdens for families and, and relationships that they are in, Heavenly Father. May you work in all of these situations and might we be faithful to follow your Spirit's leading, to be people of peace and reconciliation and hope in our families, in our friendships, in our workplaces, in our schools. Might we bear the love of Christ through the power of Holy Spirit in these places. We lift up those who are struggling with health needs and requests. We think of Rebecca's father, remove the cancer from his body, we pray. We think of um, those, uh, James and Allie, they're coming home and James recovering from his fall. Lord, we think of Carl and Christina and those 
um, unspoken prayer requests for those that are dealing with, with health issues, Heavenly Father. Um, we trust you. We put these people in, into your hands and trust them to your care. Lord, we uh, lift up our church community. Lord, might we not lag behind? Might we not struggle to keep up? Lord, may you empower us as the body of Christ and bless our ministries as we seek to reach beyond our walls, be with the preschool and the food pantry and the recovery ministries, Lord. But might, might we see where you are leading in the future? Might we have a vision for this church and your will for it for the next five or 10 years, Lord, and 15 and 20 years? what it means for the Nazarene church to be on the corner of Hazemill, Louisiana, and for us to follow the Holy Spirit to new places, to new people, Heavenly Father. Lord, we love you so much. We're thankful that you did bridge the divide, that you have broken down the barriers between people, and that we are the recipients of that. And we give you thanks and praise this morning, but might we not hold it all to ourselves, but might we share that gift and share that blessing with others, Lord. We lift up our leaders. We think of our spiritual leader, Greg Mason. Bless him and encourage him. Give him wisdom, Lord, um, for his leadership on the district as we're coming up to district assembly soon. Uh, bless all the preparations for it, Lord, and give our, our district and our denomination uh, a vision of what it means to be your followers and follow the Spirit. Be with all the Christians around the world and those being persecuted, especially for their witness to the gospel, those who are suffering in extreme poverty or dangerous situations. We lift them up to you, Heavenly Father. We lift up the victims and their families of gun violence in our nation. We think of the victims of the UNCC shooting. We think of our, our Jewish brothers and sisters uh, in San Diego, Heavenly Father, and may fear not invade our hearts, Lord. May evil not overcome, but may we overcome evil by good in the love of Jesus Christ. And we will trust you, Heavenly Father, but we do ask that you would bring justice and peace in our land and free us from the evil of violence. And Lord, we, uh, we pray that we might be a part of that. Might we be a part of the healing and the forgiveness and the reconciliation process. Lord, lift up those who are local and state and national leaders. Give them wisdom and grace to carry out their duties. And may we promote peace and justice wherever we can. Lord, we love you so much. Be with us and send us from this place as we pray that prayer you taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Church family, would you stand with me? All right, friends, get with the program. All right. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer if Peter has some changing to do, I probably have some changing to do. And so may we be the people that open our hearts daily to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that we might keep up with our Heavenly Father wherever He goes and however fast He goes. Thanks for listening in today. I hope God continues to speak to you in the days to come and that you find whatever is the next step for you in your life. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website at ashnaz.org or feel free to stop by the church anytime. We'd love to see you. God bless.